You're listening to a Shockcast original. Shock. Okay, everyone, welcome back to Technipod. Today, we'll be talking about games that we have played recently and games that we are looking forward to. Nav, start us off. So, yeah, thank you very much. Uh, I have had the best time ever across the last few months because uh, we have kind of been in like a half lockdown, half non-lockdown. And thankfully, from that, I am able to work from home. And uh, I assure you, I, I swear to God, to my bosses that may be listening, I do actually do my work in the daytime. And I spend a lot of time after I was playing games. And one of the games that I have been eager to speak about is a game called It Takes Two. And it's one of the most unique games that I've played in a very long time. Because you have to play this game with someone. It's mm-hmm. impossible to play this game alone. And the entire concept of this game is you and this person, despite the fact that you guys are sharing completely different devices to play together, are still sharing the same split screen. Right. So yeah. everything that person sees going on, you see going on as well. Mm-hmm. And the objective is to work together as best as you possibly can to achieve, to pass through as many mini games and basically win the game at the end while defeating like bosses and stuff. And mm-hmm. it's kind of like an RPG puzzle-esque game where you travel as two Really cute, adorable, small characters. Mm-hmm. Uh, probably, hands down, best game of the year. That is my game of the year so far. And that's also the game that kind of started things off this year with me. Because right after we recorded Technipod in Season 1, that was the first game I played. Right after we finished Episode 7, actually. When it comes to It Takes Two, I think it's one of the really perfect games to play with your spouse or your girlfriend and boyfriend. Because that game requires a lot of corporations. And... You know, sometimes your boyfriend and girlfriend can screw you around when it comes to playing video games and try to trick you and joking around, make your character die during the gameplay. And I've seen a lot of Twitch streamers as well as YouTubers playing with their spouse and their girlfriends. And I've seen a lot of really amazing and hilarious moments. For example, I can coin one of the content creators like C.VA, for example, playing with one of the... VTubers. Basically, both of them trying to joke around and jab around. Uh, Speaking about like clowning around and all of that, I actually ended up playing that game with somebody who was living in uh, Norway. It's a friend of mine. Right. And uh, she was playing with close to 500 ping. So Mm -hmm. imagine the situation of us trying to communicate to each other. It no longer felt like communication. It felt like us just yelling at each other to get things done endlessly. Right. And one thing I like about It Takes Two is it's only requires one person who actually owns the full version of the game. The other person just have to download the pass so that the other person can just hop in into that particular games and basically join together. And I found it really cool and I've seen a lot of video games trying to slowly adapt this kind of like pass so that other players can actually enjoy the games as well so that you don't have to redundantly get that game as well. So on Steam, only one person needs to own the game? Yeah. And, yep. Yeah. Oh, so that's really great. I found it really interesting. That concept of purchasing and actually sharing the games. Yeah, I think somebody, that's a yep. bit more consumer friendly as well because yeah. like it takes two, for example, is pretty expensive on the Steam Oh stores. yeah, in, in Ringgit, it's a hundred and Fifty ringgit. Yeah, and that's like quite a fair bit higher than the average game. So that's like triple A title price. That's the price you expect to pay for games like Cyberpunk, for example, mm. or even this, or even Call of Duty when it comes out. Imagine if there wasn't this pass, you would have to pay three hundred ringgit to play it, and oh, it, yeah. that that would become a requirement because it literally takes two. Yeah, it does. <laughs> now you can really tell the developers were really dedicated at getting their game off the ground, and uh, just the way that it's set up, where.
where one person can have the game and then invite anybody else to play. So I managed to play my friend from Norway mm-hmm. as well as I managed to play my, with my friend from Zimbabwe as well. It's one of those really niche features that companies are beginning to get into more and more these days right. where you give the consumer the ability and the flexibility to kind of share this game with people that they really like mm-hmm. or people that they love without having to burden them with the need of actually buying it. Right. Now, one of these games that kind of takes away from doing something like this is a new game that just came out called Biomutant. Right, yeah. Oh, I've seen the trailer. It looks very nice. Uh, yeah, that game for the most part, it is 120 ringgit here in Malaysia. However, we get it all, We get it at a 50% discount because overseas it's being sold at 60 US dollars or 60 euros in both Europe and America. Over here, for 120 ringgit, that game is pretty much as much as you get in terms of a open world RPG where you get pretty sceneries and you get this uh, beautiful story to play through. But I like the character creation aspect of Biomutant. Based on your character's stats, like for example, if you want to go for strength, for example, your character looks much more buffier. If you want to go for a agility stats, then your character will really look a lot more skinnier. So I think when it comes to character creation, that is one of the unique ways to actually having more and more character creations because I've never seen any game do that. Actually, Yeah, actually, th- this game really gives you a huge amount of depth in terms of character creation. It kind of brings back memories of like Skyrim. You remember when Skyrim's yeah, level yeah, of character yeah. creation used to be good? You could change everything about the person. Right, and, yeah. Like, I had a character that was green. Like, the character's skin was green and I looked like Shrek going everywhere. But that was fine to me. I enjoyed it. It was funny. Mm-hmm. You know, I was laughing every time I saw my character in a cutscene. Mm-hmm. Too bad Biomutant doesn't have too much reception as of recently. I wonder why. Do you, do you have any kind of insights? So, yeah, I've actually played the entire game. Uh, yes, I do understand that's a little nuts considering the game came out and I just spent 10 hours playing through all of it. Oh, wow. And uh, the game is kind of lackluster in terms of having an actual form of backbone or story for the main character. No personality for the main character. No personalities for anybody else in the in the entire game. I don't remember a single notable character from the game. Mm-hmm. But for the most part, again, at the end of the day, it is a open world RPG and it does kind of do what you expect an open world RPG to do. Right. And there's nothing wrong with that. Now, speaking about games where they're more of the same, in a little bit of an extension of what we were saying, we have these games where they're games like Subnautica. Mm -hmm. Um, They came out multiple different years ago. And finally, this year, we're getting a sequel to the game. We get Subnautica Below Zero. Kind of sequel-ish, yeah. It's basically kind of like a sequel where the original game was set in a regular tropical landscape and the follow-up game is now set in the Arctic landscape. Mm -hmm. And again, you get... Well, more of the same. It's another subnautical game. But it's this is beautiful. like a game that's under the sea, right? Yeah. Yes, this is deep sea diving at its finest. The thing with water physics in games, it just makes me really, really dizzy. So I think if you were a person that got dizzy easily, I would stay away from Yeah, subnautica. if you suffer from motion sickness, I think subnautica will make you hurl. Because yeah. the amount of movement that your character has to go through in subnautica, traversing these huge parts of the map, as well as fighting these huge monsters in those maps. You don't really fight them. You have no way of actually attacking them. Your job is just to kind of get around them and survive. That's the whole play of Subnautica, surviving. Because mm. it's a survival like, game. It's like feeding frenzy. <laughs> kind of. <laughs> where you're trying yeah, to run away from the sharks. <laughs> yep, uh, kind of. Exactly, exactly. Now, think of these sharks as these huge things known as leviathans. And they are not even to the degree of sharks. They're probably to the extent of like maybe blue whales. They're huge. And uh, they're really scary for the most part and they can kill you in like one attack. But the fun thing is, when you do actually survive through all of the really tougher parts of the game, 
it is a beautiful game. Being underwater and actually experiencing what it's like to be deep sea diving is one hell of an experience. It is fantastic. My only problem when it comes to Subnautica Below Zero, and by the way, this is um, spoiler-free, it's the writing of the story. It feels a little bit disconnect from one story to another story. That's my only major concern regarding Subnautica. But overall, in general, it's an amazing experience. If you have a fear of sea, then I'm not really recommending for you to play because you literally have to dive deep down like uh, kilometers deep. So it's yeah. deep, deep, deep sea diving. But yeah, yeah. beyond the disconnect between the stories of the two games, if you like the first Subnautica, then Subnautica enjoy. Below Zero is more of the same. Yeah. It's kind of the same thing, just in a different package. Yep. So that is basically the open world. Let's talk about a little bit linear and a lot more fresher games. Resident Evil Village. Oh, yes. Everybody's favorite vampire lady. Oh, God. It, it gets to the point where Dominus Malaysia actually make a promotional tweet that got blew up really recently. It was so good. I, I love it. what did the tweet say, though? So the tweet says, basically, Lady Demetrius wishes the vampire lady want to have a slice of pizza after chasing Ethan. So I find it that marketing strategy is really brilliant. It got to the point where it got international notice as well. And I found it Domino's Malaysia make a really good job when it comes to like marketing. And the story really, really interesting, but obviously it's all about the vampire tall lady, like what, two, almost three foot tall, if I'm not mistaken. Oh, she's like seven, eight feet tall? Yeah. yeah she's everybody's favorite vampire lady. I have experienced Resident Evil Village, um, not really firsthand. I played the demo before. I haven't played the full flesh games, but I've seen a couple of my friends on Twitch basically play from start to finish. It was a really interesting experience expanding the story what happened after Resident Evil 7 Chris Redfield uh, which is the super iconic popular characters from Resident Evil series appears in the game my only problem is the mercenary mode where you play only Ethan and it's a little bit linear in, in my taste. Yeah, so yeah, the main character Ethan Winters he's a little bit of a flatter character to play in like the Resident Evil series. For the most part, the other main characters kind of really had a lot of personality to them. Right. Ethan's more along the lines of uh, go here, do this, go here, do that, go down this path, do this storyline. Like a he's man a very, with a mission. He's a very, yeah, he's a very <laughs> linear character. You can say man with a mission, but I'm just going to say he's a very linear character and it really doesn't change much as you play through the game. I ended up playing through almost 95% of the game mm -hmm. in just about maybe two different sittings and that's kind of what it felt like. It was like, Ethan's doing this now, Ethan's doing that now, Ethan's getting this done, and Ethan's moving to this goal. Right. Now that we shifted into a first-person mode, starting Resident Evil 7, which camera modes that you prefer to? Do you prefer a third-person view or first-person view? I like the original style of Resident Evil games where it's the corridor cameras. Oh, right. The cameras oh. that are like in a so weird... So like, the camera doesn't follow your character when you move? In the original Resident Evil, when you were inside a building, the cameras were all corridor cameras. So they all cameras at like random intervals at corridors. Mm. And as you were walking through the building, that's how you control your character. So if you're running forward through one part of the building and you're holding down the down button, for example, and you go through that into a new part and the camera is reversed to something, you will just run back forward in, into the part of the building where you just came from. Like that's oh, the main... Oh, that's a bit like um, paranormal activity. Yes, 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 yes it yes, is, yes. it is. The remake version of it, then the camera will follow along behind the characters. But starting Resident Evil 7, that's when the first person uh, view started. And I have a mixed feeling about it. Um, coming from a person who played Resident Evil before, especially Eve Parasite for the PlayStation 1 as well. I think that 
it does give a little bit of immersion when it comes to the horror aspect or element of it because I'm really bad at horror games. But I still enjoy the unknown sides of the third-person views. For example, you wouldn't expect an enemy come from a other side of the corridor, especially when you turn around. Then you notice that the enemy is there. Yeah, my personal take is basically third-person views, but I know for the fact that first-person view is going to become a thing moving forward when it comes to Resident Evil. I really uh, appreciate it when games include both views. Yeah, I was just going to say, at some point, you're going to be able to just select which view you prefer. Personally, I prefer third-person because it makes me less dizzy. Yeah, it's easier for motion sickness. That's why. That's true. That's true. But to be fair, when it comes to Resident Evil 7 and Resident Evil 8, we don't know Ethan's faces. That's my, that's my only gripes when it comes to Resident Evil because we know how Chris uh, looks. We know how other characters in Resident Evil looks. But Ethan is the only character that doesn't have face for weird reason. Ethan doesn't exist. You are Ethan. Oh my god, <laughs> Ethan's been all in my mind all along. Good Lord. So, a construct. <laughs> let's just move on to another banger of a game that came out this year. Mm-hmm. A game called Valheim. Oh, Ooh, I've right. played it. You've played Valheim? Yes, because it's a um, multiplayer. Yeah, it is. However, it's not very stable. Yeah, you kind of have to host your own server and hope that it holds up. Yeah, the first time I played it, actually, there were no issues. And then the second time, we started having a lot of server issues. Mm-hmm. But my fiancé really got into the building aspect of the game. Yeah, that game is like, like Minecraft on like crack. It is beautiful. And I became the most professional woodcutter in the world. I chop chop tree very fast (laughs) (laughs) and that's pretty much all I did and yeah in a a game that allows you to basically build almost anything you want so just to give a a brief introduction about Valheim Valheim is a open world RPG set in a sort of a magical-esque fantasy Viking yeah magical-esque Viking fantasy where there are these big magical bosses to defeat like a big deer a big tree I like how it dips into the Viking mythology because that's not something that we've explored very much in media in general. Yeah, that's very true. Even in video games, like you have Assassin's Creed Valhalla in terms of like the Viking setting and that's the best you're going to get. And yeah, Valheim did a really good job of like kind of mixing those different cultures, the culture of gaming and the culture of like kind of sharing history about like the the Nordic people. So it was really interesting. And, And this game, again, Beautiful game, has some insanely beautiful sceneries, uh, really nice gameplay, very fluid, except for the fact that it might lag occasionally if you're running a personal server for this game. But the fact stands, if you have your own personal server, you're going to be able to host quite a few people on there and that's where the game really shines. You get this ability to have a massive amount of people all playing together. And think of a Minecraft server, but just really, really, really high graphic Minecraft server. It's mm. very nice to play with everybody when... You have your own house, he has his own house, and I have my own little hut somewhere. Right. Well, as woodcutter, all I got was a house tour. I didn't really <laughs> build my own. But I'm a professional, I'll accept that. Uh, fair enough. Valheim taking over Twitch at one point. There's no, also another new game that takes over Twitch at one point as well. There is a near replicant version 1. Point something, something, version something. 1.2765. You know the whole like 10 billion digits for Pi? <laughs> yeah. yeah, that was the name of this game. <laughs> I know the exact game you're talking about. About. So the original game is called Near Automata yep. that came out not too long ago and it was a very popular game because it was what a JRPG it is for a the most JR- part? It's a JRPG hack and slash. Yeah, yes. it's a Japanese inspired RPG that has hack and slash elements to it. Near Replicant is actually a much older game, correct me if I'm wrong yep. here. Yep, this and is the This remake. is the remake, right? Yep, correct. And uh, again, Near Automata was damn near perfect mm-hmm. and uh, Near Replicant 
kind of follows that relatively similarly, if not a little, just a little bit less. But it's again more of the same. Mm-hmm. If you like the original, you're gonna like playing through this one. As oh, well. def- definitely. So Near Replicant takes over the story before Near Automata started. If you are in US, it only appears the game as Near. In other regions, it does um say as a Near Replicant. So depending on which region, the title might slightly change. But it's already standardized uh, for the remake is Near Replicant version one point something something something. The story wise is basically similar. The combat mechanic has been improved. I can say that but I know for the fact that there are one character models that has been really controversial in my personal take for a person who never played near Replicant before I've seen this is not really a main issue my main issue is that sometimes camera can be really wonky but other than that all the textures are really amazing they have a really bit of breath of fresh of the graphics design and making sure that the texture doesn't look really choppy like the original games. And I found it really, really good. I had so much fun playing Neo Replicant, even though I never played before. I played Neo Automata before. I only finished two ending, even though technically speaking, I have the remaining 22 ending that I need to get on the Neo Automata games. But I still enjoyed Replicant just for the story and gameplay perspective to it. Another sequel game that we can get into really briefly is Neo 2. Neo 2, Now, yeah, yeah Neo the original was uh, only on PlayStation, if I'm not mistaken, PlayStation Correct, yeah. 4. And uh, Neo 2, this is the first time non-console person like myself mm-hmm. actually managed to play the game because Neo 2 is actually on PC. Right. And it's available on Steam for the low, low price of, I think, 200 ringgit. Something. Uh, yeah. <laughs> might be wrong there, might be even more expensive than that. But <laughs> yeah, Neo 2, again, Open world RPG in a Japanese setting, correct. in like a Japanese samurai setting, if I'm yep, not mistaken. Correct. Yeah, and uh, it's also one of those really, really, really pretty games to play through. It's nice hack and slash combat that's also just very well architectured towards the player. So it's a very player-oriented game. As the player, you feel very nice when you pull off all of these combos in terms of like how you're kind of chaining through all your abilities and uni- so using all your attacks. So you're not just spamming all the buttons. <laughs> no, no, no. It's not me just playing Tekken. Because me playing Tekken is just pressing every button on the remote. But this is more along the lines of like you kind of have to chain things together and it makes you feel very nice when you pull it off. Kind of kind of like a little bit of off-tangent. How do you guys feel when you guys play Sekiro Shadow Die twice? Oh my god, I, I, I wish I played that game on stream because I raged my lungs away at the, playing that <laughs> game. That game was hard. That game specifically reminds me of not to bite the match. Just stay calm, defense for most part and see your opponent's move so that you can make a certain strike. It's mostly like rock, paper, scissors kind of combat system to it. It's just that either you have to parry or defense or dodge according to your opponent's moveset. And it's one of those really games that actually teach you how to be patient and strike. Neo can be... This is starting to sound a bit like um, Kung Fu Panda. Kind of is, yeah. (laughs) Neo can be a little bit spammy, but uh, I still enjoy it, Neo. Yeah, Neo and Sekiro are, are kind of same, but not really as yeah. well. They, they do share a few similarities, but they're not exactly the same. Yeah. Funny you should bring up Sekiro because Sekiro 2, which was actually dated to be released later this year, is actually going to be delayed into early 2022. Yeah. And uh, that's not the only title that's been delayed. Halo Infinite was a game that was meant to launch in 2020. It's coming out later this year as well. Mm -hmm. And uh, just if I was to just go through a few more games that are all coming out this year but not there yet, you have Monster Hunter Rise, the next expansion for the Monster Hunter series. So for the uninitiated... 
Monster Hunter, beyond being one of my favorite titles of all time, is about is... a hunter who hunts monsters. Yes, Kat. How did you guess? <laughs> I knew it. I had a feeling. It's it's about you as the player going up against these massive beasts and how you take them down one part at a time, one claw at a time, one foot at a time, one nail at a time. It is the story of man's survival. It is the. It is way more than that. It is the story of literally David versus Goliath. And you play as David. And in this story, David comes out on top. Wow. I That's believe, inspiring. Yeah. He is really inspiring. <laughs> I believe Monster Hunter Rise is only on Switch, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, it will be coming to PC much later in the year, but it's going to start off being on the Nintendo Switch. Yeah, because one thing about Monster Hunter Rise that I've seen so far, it reminds me of the old Monster Hunter on the PlayStation Portable way back in the days. Yes, it does actually reminisce that. Because when I play Monster Hunter World on the PC... It doesn't f- make me feel that way because it feels much more modern version of Monster Hunter, which is, don't get me wrong, some people can get into it, but part of me missed the PSP era uh, of Monster Hunter. Yeah, Aiden just prefers like the 8-bit characters walking around, <laughs> like really low graphics. Like, yeah, this is the game I enjoy playing. Speaking of MMORPGs though, the expansion for Monster Hunter is not the only thing that's worth looking forward to. New World by Amazon is coming out in September. I think the release date is 31st August. Yes, it is. And I am stoked. I have kind of fallen out of MMORPGs for a while now because the grind is too hard. This girl, she's grinding in real life. (laughs) She's making the moolah. But this game makes me want to dip back into MMOs. No, I don't blame you. There hasn't been a MMO worth playing in a very long time. Ever since the realm of maybe Maple Story or Maple Sea, I don't think I've played (laughs) any MMO as well. Wow, that's really long ago. Yeah, yeah, and and I think you can agree with me. I think you both can agree with me. Maple Maple Sea or Maple Story was a very grind-heavy game. You had to grind monsters through day in, day out to level up, to gain experience. In fact, I've never gone further than level 31. Oh, really? Yeah, I'm really low level. I probably shouldn't tell you that I have 8 characters above level 200. Because because I did really spend a lot of time playing this game. But back to where we are right now, New World. This, after a very long time, is going to be the first time I ever actually touch an MMORPG. It is gorgeous. I have already saved in my wish list and I cannot wait. Here it is, two people talking about New World. Me personally, I'm waiting for the new expansion of Fantasy Star Online 2. In oh, wow. Fantasy Star Online as well. Yeah, that is another game that's been running for a very long time. Also by the same company that backs Maple Sea here in Asia, AsiaSoft as well as Nexon. Mm. And they are also actively re-releasing content for, not, not re-releasing, but releasing new content for Fantasy Star as well. Right. When it comes to the new Fantasy Star Online, there are so much new content that both old and new players will definitely enjoy. Because I played the Japanese version of Fantasy Star Online 2 way when it was first launched. And then when it first came out for Microsoft Store, I managed to download it, play it, love it. And then when they announced the expansion, the graphics looks way prettier. They have new class, they have new quests. I look forward to it. But I've seen a couple of people actually test the game when it's, the beta has came out. I believe the beta is closed, but I've seen a couple of people are struggling with micro status um, regarding the game. So take it with a grain of salt, but I'm still super stoked. Other than that, Deathloop. Deathloop, yes. Deathloop is a very interesting game because I've not gotten the chance to play it yet, nor have I ever seen gameplay about it because it's not even out on the PlayStation. Originally, Deathloop was actually promoted on the PlayStation 5, but... right. 
I was very surprised to find out that it was actually coming out on PC as well this year. Mm. And from the trailer, from what I saw at E3 when they were demonstrating the PS5, it looks to be a very, very unique indie game in a realm of its own. Deathloop is basically a kind of a solo experience where you go through different scenes and if you were to ever make a mistake in that scene, if you were to die, for example, you get rewind back to a point in time where you were alive. Hence the title. Yeah. yeah, and it's basically the idea of getting through this entire story while dying and respawning as many times as possible. Right. And yeah, again, brilliant concept. Coming out later this year, very much excited for it. The trailer reminds me of the old 90s like spy movies. Yeah, because of how it, the art style is done, right? Yeah. It's a very unique art style because it's not a very graphically intensive game. Yet, I still think I'm going to have a lot of fun playing it because it doesn't need to be graphically intensive. It has a unique concept to it. You have a unique concept. You have a unique play style. You have a unique mechanics that I'm looking forward to. I believe there are a couple of guns that introduced during the trailer. I'm looking forward for that as well. When it's going to launch, I'll definitely going to try it out and basically experience it myself. Other than that, when it comes to like shooters, we also have another shooter games, uh, Far Cry 6. Yeah, Far Cry 6. Uh, beyond just shooter, it's uh, open world exploration as well. We happen to have a lot of open world exploration games on this list, I just realized. Apparently, the, yeah. 2021 is the year that every game manufacturer, every game developer thinks that you're going to spend time indoors because of lockdown. So here, Go explore this open world because you can't explore the real world. Far Cry 6. I personally didn't play Far Cry that much as of recently after Far Cry 4. I haven't got the chance to play Far Cry 5. Can you explain a little bit what is the difference between the Far Cry 5 and Far Cry 6? Uh, okay, so Far Cry 5, which is uh, New Dawn, was it? Yes. Far Cry 5 had one of the most interesting campaigns to play through because at the end of the day, there was no good ending. No matter right. which ending you took there was no good ending for your character mm-hmm. and uh, the entire story was going into this random town in the middle of nowhere in the US and going against a radicalist church leader and he was basically utilizing this church as a cover for all the bad things that were going on in the town I see now Far Cry 6 on the other hand Far Cry 6 is a completely different setting mm-hmm. but somewhat more of the same as well Right. you are one single individual going into this relatively unknown area and hoping to kind of save the place do good maybe even do bad depending on which side of the story you want to fall on but the open world exploration element of it is really 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 Wait, vast so can you actually select if you want to be a good guy or a bad guy yeah you have good choices and bad choices now this is a unique feature that dates all the way back to Far Cry 3 Ah, so when it comes to this kind of game, it reminds me of the new Mass Effect that just came out quite recently. The Mass Effect Legendary Edition, right? Yes, yes. because I played the trilogy of it, the original one, and I haven't got a chance to play the Legendary Edition version. But from what I've seen so far, there are a couple of quality of life uh, improvement. The mechanics slightly got tweaked as well. The character models are still janky sometimes. (laughs) But um, in all honesty, Mass Effect series got really a special place in my heart, in my personal take. Yeah, to the people that uh, don't actually know about this, the entire Mass Effect 3 Legendary Edition has been re-released on Steam maybe I think just a couple of days ago from the date of this recording. Correct, yeah. And it's also available for the low, low price of uh, 250 odd so ringgit. For so all three clearly games, yeah. you guys all play very expensive games. <laughs> Are there any low budget options? Uh, there is. For example, I played a significant amount of Stardew Valley, for example. So sometimes I stream on Twitch 
why do we twitch.tv slash zero underscore Aiden? Um, I played Stardew Valley a lot with my friends and um, I got to the point where I, I basically got halfway through year two. I'm looking forward to year three um, moving forward. I know for the fact that you can't play Stardew Valley as well. Yeah, I played Stardew Valley, but now I'm actually looking forward to similar games like Little Witch in the Woods. Oh, right. And yeah, yeah, yeah. Eastward that will be published by Chucklefish, the same publisher as Stardew Valley. Those are also kind of like very wholesome, pixel graphic games. I actually don't really know what the stories are about. Mm-hmm. I saw the snapshots and that's all it took for me to be hooked into wanting to play the game. Yes, exactly. (laughs) I don't blame you. You can see there's a whole realm of free games available to play as well. Speaking a little bit more about things that are really easy to get into, the Epic Game Store is giving out free games again every five days. So to all the people who want nice games like NBA 2K for example at the time of this recording yeah yeah, at the time of this recording it's available for free on the Epic Game Store and by the time this podcast goes live there's going to be a new set of games that are available for free on the Epic Game Store Mm -hmm. and there's plenty of games for free on the Steam Store as well there are lots that you can choose from but if I was to go ahead and select one specifically what would you choose Aiden? I'll go for Trace of Coast Series 4 that just came out a couple of months ago because I enjoy JRPG personally. And the reason why I pick Trace of Cold Steel 4 personally is because I played the first version or rather the first game on PlayStation Vita. I'm going to uh, finish the second Trails of Cold Steel. Unfortunately, the third game is not available on Vita, so I have to play it on the PC. But after that, I will be streaming probably the fourth game moving forward because I love JRPG personally. Other than that, I play a lot of reading games like Osu. Um, Which are all free games to get into as well. Right? Osu is a free reading game. Yeah. Um, it's it's low level to get into, but it gets really hard for high level later on. But if you're really into reading games, that is really simple. You guys definitely tried Rhythm Doctor that is made by 7-Beat. Oh, I've seen it. Yep, it's, made, it's actually developed by a Malaysian. So kudos support to that. Support local, guys. Yep, support, local. support local. So he is the same developer who made A Dance of Fire and Ice. So it is basically, rather, the concept of his game is basically just using one button or one tap. So when it comes to Rhythm Doctors, they have a plethora of amazing tracks. Definitely, definitely check out Rhythm Doctors. I couldn't recommend enough that if you are a rhythm gamer or maybe casual as well, Definitely check it out, Rhythm Doctors. As our connoisseur of rhythm games, what would have happened if I had introduced you to an anti-rhythm game? You know where I'm going with this. It's this game called Everhood. It's one of the most interesting and unique games that I've ever played. It is currently available for as low as 10 ringgit on the Steam Store. Mm -hmm. And for the most part, it is an anti-rhythm game. You're meant to listen into the rhythm and counteract those movements. Now, how do you feel about that, being the person that is really into rhythm games? Yeah, as as a rhythm gamer... It's really hard to counteract rhythm, but we'll see. We'll see. I'll so definitely yeah, try it. as someone who has absolutely no sense of rhythm whatsoever, playing something like Everhood was actually really easy for me because I got to experience similar rhythm-like games, but not to the extent where I had to be in tune with the rhythm all the time. I had uh, the ability to kind of go against the flow and that felt, <laughs> that to me feels a lot easier than actually trying to play a rhythm That's game. Fair. Because That's have fair. you seen me trying to play Osu or Otu Jam last time? Okay. It's a nightmare. Yeah. I'm terrible at that. Uh, what about you, Ken? What, what is your game or rather one of the games that you're looking forward to that you're going to pick one? If I could get a game for free, 
I would definitely pick Baldur's Gate 3. Because that, that's a hefty price tag. That's also a recent so launch from this year. beautiful and I'm kind of in the mood for a good story-rich game. Right. But I already have Divinity Original Sin 2. And also uh, amazing game, yeah. Yeah, so I'm just waiting maybe a year for Baldur's Gate to go on sale. <laughs> Summer sale coming soon, don't worry. <laughs> But I want to I wanna go a little bit of uh, one more game that I want to highlight, which is a Lost Ruin. Um, it's basically like Dark Souls, but 2D side-scrolling enemy. Really cutesy. I'm definitely going to check it out. Uh, I haven't played it, but I've seen a couple of people play it as well. Yeah, similarly to Blasphemous as well as Hollow Knight. 2D side-scrollers, but they're basically Souls games. Yeah, basically. They yeah. are tough to a certain degree, but they're really worth playing through. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I think the best way we can wrap up today's uh, episode is uh, if you guys had to pick three more games that you're going to play through throughout the rest of the year, what's your pick and why? I will be picking a Trail Force Cold Steel 4 because I love JRPG. Also because I'm a rhythm gamer um, in the heart. As well as Deathloop because I like to get into the mechanic of uh, shooting and then die over and over again, learning my mistake. And uh, where can we watch you playing all of that? Uh, they'll be on twitch.tv slash Oh yeah, don't forget to check him out guys. And uh, Catalina, what are you going to play? Um, for me, I think uh, currently my job is pretty heavy. So I kind of need like a branded game. One of which I've been playing is Heroes of Hammerwatch. It's actually a really old roguelite action adventure. But it's oh, kind yeah. of just click and your hero shoots out beams to kill monsters. It's ah. really just brain dead action. And like I mentioned, I'm really interested in kind of a story rich game at this moment in time. Bardo's Gate 3. New World, those are my three picks for this year. Mm-hmm. Very good picks, if I might say. Now, I am still a hardcore Dota 2 person, so as you can expect, I'm going to be playing Dota 2 uh, metric ton <laughs> this year. Uh, it's, not, it's not basic when it's a part of your life already at this point. Former professional, by the way. <laughs> and uh, yeah, I am actually really excited to play through Far Cry 6 when it comes out later this year because I'm a huge fan of the Far Cry series. And uh, last but not least, there is also a game that I regrettably did not mention earlier that has recently come out called Outriders, which is also one of the more futuristic games to check out and to enjoy. Mm -hmm. And to all my bros out there, this is another little nugget for you guys. The game called Subverse is available on Sim for 50 Ringgit. I don't need to tell you what it is. Please feel free to check it out and enjoy. Very nice. If I if I may now I'm gonna let you close this podcast because I'm gonna I'm gonna get into my gacha games. I'm gonna gonna roll some SSR. Yeah. Okay. You have fun playing some Genshin Impact. <laughs> and uh, to everybody listening, thank you very much for tuning in. And cheers. Hope you enjoyed. Bye bye. <laughs>